Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters. Hello, I'm your host, Katie Churchman. And in this episode, Marita Fridchon and I are talking about leadership as a role that belongs to the system. Many of us attribute the idea of leadership to a particular person or to a team of leaders. However, as Marita explains, leadership can also be viewed as a role that belongs to the system. When we embrace this idea, we start to see that inspired leadership can show up in the most unlikely places and from the most unlikely people. What would your team or family dynamic be like if there was more of a sense of shared responsibility around the idea of leadership? As opposed to belonging to one person, can this be a role that we share? Here's Marita to explain more. So Marita, I wanted to ask you today about leadership as a role of the system, because right now I think many of us are looking for a leader, looking for a sign, looking for some direction. And um, what if no one stands up and starts taking some kind of leadership role? What do we do? You always ask such beautifully complex questions. Thank you, Katie. One of the things, one of the principles of relationship systems intelligence that we're talking about is that systems rely on roles for the execution of functions. So I think you and I talk, may, might have talked some about this before as well. So if we say that leadership is a role that belongs to the system, it's not only living in the designated leader. That's so present at the moment when we look at the political situation that exploded in the U.S. with Black Lives Matter and everything that preceded and created that, and how the role of leadership in that lives in a very different place. Actually, in the moment that the peaceful protests are happening, that actually is the leadership that is educating us, that is creating awareness of things that white people didn't even know. It's that piece. It really is, the, for me, it's the question of where is it that I am called, whoever the I is, to take the leadership now because there is something that I have to offer, whether that is an education piece or whether that is holding space for somebody else to talk. But it's that piece that we really can begin to look at that collective leadership thinking, that leadership, too, is a we thing. It's not just an I thing. And where is it that my I need to step forward and hold that position or take that role? That's the challenge. That's the invitation. Not easy. No. And it's such an interesting way of thinking about it because I think a lot of people think of a leader as one person and they look up to that leader. And to sort of think about it as a shared responsibility, that feels less of a burden. And again, if we begin to, if we begin to lean into the system, then it's actually less of a burden. Because if we can sit in the question and know that somebody in this circle will have a different answer. Then it's not the leader that needs to come up with the answer. Then it is the collective that somewhere there is somebody that will have the voice of leadership. And how do we invite that? And again, diversity and inclusion is such a great taskmaster for us with that. 
Because in order to have that conversation, there cannot be one leader. Because it's got so many access points, so many different lands from which it needs to be spoken. I think that's the invitation for now. Who is it that I need to be able to sit in the conversation and learn from, evolve from? And when is it that there's the conversation that is mine that somebody wants to learn from me or evolve from something that I say, but it's, it's that piece that I think is our invitation. When we can do it like that, it actually is, I think, massively more effective, but it's less of a burden for everyone and all of us. So if we're, say, in a meeting, something smaller than the global issues we were trying to yes. tackle there, and there are 10 different opinions, 10 different people stepping up to be leader, and yet we actually need to come together. What can we do there? I'm sure that's happening a lot right now in a lot of companies. Yes, yes. That's where there is the intersection with the teal movement, collective leadership, systems-inspired leadership. You could see how there's so many attempts to address that piece. And I think that's where what is true is that Having those many opinions and inputs in a meeting like that is what is known as the input model. Let's get input from everybody. And then from that input, let's begin to see what are the themes that are emerging. And then from the themes, where can we begin to see actions implemented? So I think it's that stepping process that is from the collective, and again, ground conditions for change. We need to hear from everybody. We need to have everybody know what is in it for them. And then there is a different sorting process because until we go through that process, we can't begin to truly see the emerging themes that there is for this team or this organization. And then what's true is that there is, whether it's a task force or whether it is a different group or whether it goes back up to the leader to make the final decision, that happens or that needs to happen. But that's a very different decision from the leader reading through 20 reports and then making a unilateral decision from that information without actually having been in the dialogue. Because the dialogue takes us to a different place. So with regards to that opposite problem, if you're working with a team where a lot of people haven't spoken up for a long time, perhaps they don't feel their opinions valued, or perhaps they're just shy, what do we do then? Well, at the risk of being very basic, I do think those are the places where the profession of coaching can help us because the, that's a place where there's a, whatever the skillful word is, there's a stuckness in the system that is about, it could be because it's lack of trust, it's top-down, whatever you want to call it, but there's a place where it's not always easy to overcome that by ourselves. But if we can bring somebody else in to hold the space for us, to help guide the conversation, then that system can begin to take pick up again its collective wisdom. But I think that is one of the reasons why there is the professions of coaching and mentoring. And it's very difficult to continue to facilitate our own processes, particularly when there's change and emergence and conflict. But I, and I think you're right. A lot of the time it's because there's not enough trust. There's not enough safety. 
And that needs to be overcome. And it's easier if somebody else from the outside can come in and help facilitate that. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate origins of professions like alternative dispute resolution and mediation, where it can't be solved from the inside and an outside voice that then takes the leadership in that moment and then hands it back off to the team and then hands it back off to the leadership that's local. There's a dialoguing, there's a minimal viable edge that needs to be crossed that sometimes it's easier to do with somebody from the outside. So as coaches or perhaps team leads, how can we inspire people to step up into that leadership role? If it's something they've never experienced before or tried on before. I think depending on the state of the system or the culture of the system, there's definitely a slower ramp up and in some places it's faster. A lot of that is cultural as well. So I think that there's a different emergence for us that we need to return and begin to look at cross-cultural intelligence. Because what works in one culture is very different in another culture. So in some cultures, the culture demands that people are invited into the conversation very differently from other cultures. So I think that in an I culture where the I, the me, is ratified to and supported to speak, that's a different place from a we culture where there's a much more collective expression that needs to happen. So I think it's culturally dependent as well. And one of the things, for example, one of the examples is that Japan, that's a very we-centered culture. When in a training or in a meeting, when a question gets asked to the group or to the team, there's long silence. Not because there's resistance to the question, but because everybody is going inside to think about it, and literally there's a looking down. So one of the th ways that we can go there is to then from that point on ask, write your thoughts down. What are you busy processing? And then turn to somebody and share those thoughts. And then from that, bring it to the big group. That's very different from... U.S. culture or a different culture where everyone will jump in and say something. And that's one of the challenges in global companies with a lot of diversity in team members. So that if all of those cultures are present and the I culture speaks louder than the person from the we culture, we immediately have a skewed representation. So for me as team leader, I need to have awareness of that so that there are places where we need to slow it down and go in the direction of that other culture and then bring the cultures together. That, I think, is the complexity. It's such a good point about different cultures. Yes. I remember volunteering in the Philippines and um, it was half Filipino volunteers and half British volunteers. Uh, the Filipino volunteers, if someone said something, it was said for the group, whereas the British people love to say the same thing again. And if you hadn't said it yourself personally, it was like you didn't believe in it. And I just thought that was a very different way of yes. group discussion. Yes, yes. There are certain cultures that for which it's easier to create from 
than for other cultures. Yeah. There are other cultures that needs to own, claim and own it, yes. and then they can create from it. I'm talking about the, on the individual level. And that plays out in the systemic level as well. In the, you can see how a team like that, how important it would be to understand the nature of their, what we call third entity, that relationship between team members will have a very diverse voice. Yeah. And so how do we create the space for the team itself, that entity, that system that is the team, for it to speak? Because in that moment, it becomes the leader. And there's information there that neither the leader nor the members have. So with regards to that example, because I remember during the time of volunteering, there were some issues because the British people would just jump in. And I don't want to say we were selfish, but little things like when we were having a community dinner, all of the British people would jump up first. And then if I think about that in a sort of corporate context, how do we stop those people from, I guess, being left behind or at least not being listened to when we've got you know, these eye-focused people as well? Well, you know, again, I think uh, I was on a call with a partner call for Sierra Global and we had a very diverse population there. And there were two of our partners from Japan. One of them can do the translation. So they do a lot of translation in the chat box. The other partner, not so good in understanding English. So what that means is that the facilitators of that call really needs to keep an eye out and help create the space to bring them in. So in the moment that the facilitator can go, let's pause and let's hear, everybody needs to pause because he needs to speak, she needs to translate. And in the moment that happens, they become present to the call in a very different way. Because while all of us were talking, she was translating for him in chat box. But in that moment, they were separate from our system in a very different way. So I think whoever in any given moment in time, so there are two facilitators of the call, anybody with that cultural awareness who then step forward and say, let's hear from our Japanese partners, that person in that moment is the leader. Because that person picked up a signal in the system and moved it. And if I, as a leader or as a facilitator, can rely on that and can create a designed team agreement with everybody present in the meeting to say, pause us, stop us, where it needs to happen, while I'm also actively looking for that, I think that's the weave that we then create in the kind of web that we meet we for us as a team but it takes awareness yeah yeah that systems inspired leadership right there and i think the reality is that there's not a single human being that can be attentive and aware for the duration of any meeting True. i'm sorry yeah everybody has got a separate thought that comes or it, it we can't it is not practical reality but if that's the culture that we can begin to build that says bring it and I had a conversation this morning with the team that I was talking to and what became clear for me is that we talk about that there are three levels of reality 
this essence that is where everything is equal, neutral, and then dreaming, the stuff that we make up, and then consensus reality, the stuff that we do. And what is interesting when you think of those three iterative phases of human interaction, when we invite a team to vision and to think about something that is a possibility in the future, you can hear my voice slows down. When we're in dreaming, we can't dream as fast as we can talk. So there's something about it's a slowing down of the process and then speaking from it. What is interesting is that when we're in a dreaming and speaking from there, there's a much higher tendency to have what research again shows us that there needs to be a five to one ratio of positivity to negativity. In the dreaming space, there's more of a tendency for somebody to go, that's fascinating, that's interesting. And you can feel that's the dreaming. It's when we go to consensus reality, strategic planning, that we begin to speed. When we speed, the ratio of positivity drops dramatically. Because we begin to go to the place, no, no, it, it won't work like that. No, let's not, look. and you can feel how there isn't the space to go, hmm, that's interesting. Shall we do it? What do you think? It's not so easy in the strategic dialogue. So I think one of the other things from a leadership and a developmental perspective is for us to invite people more into the visioning, dreaming. What do we make up about it? Five years from now, what's the picture? And then from there, go back to, but then watch during the strategic to pause people to catch, to catch people when they do it right, when there's something that's interesting, because that's where the positivity ratio drops. So interesting thinking about how we run these podcasts and in previous episodes of other podcasts where I've come with my notes and I've got all my questions it's very different impact and I'm very different with regards to who I'm with and I wonder whether there's a middle path there like jazz music you know you know the technique but then when you go into the meeting you're present and you sort of let go of all of the consensus reality well in a way it keeps you structured but you know, you're, you're playing in the moment, dancing in the moment. I think so. And jazz is a really good example. My ex-husband was a double bass player in a jazz band. And it's, it's from him and, you know, in concerts and stuff that they were doing that I really got that nature of jazz. That, yes, they know the notes. They know the, but by goodness, then they begin to improvise and it's, you recognize the same theme, but it's very different. Mm. So I do think that there is that piece. And it's true. I was about to say to you that I come with sort of vague ideas and things that we've talked about even just before the call. What shall we talk about? But then because we are in this place, there's an improvisation that is happening that actually takes me to things that I've never thought about. And that's the space yeah. that we want to create because that's the space where leadership will show up in different voices, in different people. Biggest challenge I think that leaders feel is that that feels like it's slow. And I think it is, but it actually helps us go faster in the last part of the conversation that is of action and how do we move it forward. Yeah. So sometimes we have to slow down to speed up. 
That's such an old cliche, but it's true. I think you're right. Yeah. Staying yeah. in the present moment as opposed to living in yeah. worries of the past or visions of the future, I think. It's a really good point. Yeah. And keep on asking questions. One of the things that was a valuable gift for me from conversational intelligence is constantly asking the questions that I don't have an answer for. Because that invites everybody to participate in a different way. And we know when we ask, the, and the people in front of us know, when we ask the question that I already have an answer for, why would they answer? Because they, they have a frozen frame that I actually have an answer. So I have to really work. People can, I have no idea how to work with that or with this. So, But I think the remembering the three levels is important, uh, that we really need to make space for that dreaming level. And some people on our teams will be better at that than others. But if we then, if we allow that and design that we need those voices in the dreaming, then we have a job for the people that's really good in consensus reality to do the planning and the strategizing. That's what makes us a team, that some of us can occupy this place, others that place. And if you do that collectively, that's a very different outcome and it's a very different culture. You made me think of jazz again, how different people take different solos. It's yes. this dance yes. between musicians. Yes. And if we then take it to the, you know, the bigger level that we're in at the moment, that also influences the conversations we have in the office and with the team. If we, if we look at diversity and inclusion, leadership is different and it's different leaders that need to show up and that does show up. And how do we empower them? And how do we bring all of us together in that conversation? So disturbance as ally, I still think, is one of the most valuable things that we can hold as a meta skill, as a come from place. How do I create from the disturbance? And I think that's the, that's the piece that's trying to happen around diversity and inclusion. It's creating from that which is different and what needs to emerge now. I'm definitely going to be sitting with that question for a while. Thank you, Marita. That was You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thanks again for listening to the Relationship Matters podcast. This is episode 13 of season one. We've got two more episodes to come. And so do look out for a short survey that's coming out soon. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feedback and suggestions for season two. My key takeaways from this episode are as follows. Systemic leadership requires a willingness to dance in the moment. Stay open, be present, and be prepared to throw away your script and be with what unfolds. Leadership is a role and a responsibility that belongs to the system, and we can all play our part, whether we're talking locally or globally. So thanks again to Marita for her wise words. To hear more about her work, do check out crrglobal.com. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters.